A man become preeminent, he's expected to have enthusiasms. 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 What am I? What draws my admiration? What is that which gives me joy? Baseball. <laughs> Alrighty, folks, welcome back to the Pole Herder Podcast, episode number 41. I'm your host, Rob DiPietro, the Dead Pole Hitter. Find me on Twitter at Dead Pole Hitter. Thanks for joining in once again. We've got an excellent guest tonight. His name is Curtis Jones. Curtis plays in a lot of NFBC formats. He's very successful in his previous years in multiple different formats on the NFBC, but he's been exceptionally well in the cut line, best ball cut line format. So I wanted to do a dedicated show on the cut line format to get his insight into how he likes to build his teams and um, what kind of builds he's doing so far in the shares drafts. Um, Highly informative. I'm looking to get into a couple of cut lines this year, and it was very good to pick his brain a little bit um, about how to build successful teams. So, um, yeah, got a chance to do that. And um, once again, thank you for the support of the show. It's been really overwhelming at times, but I'm so grateful and blessed that um, I'm able to provide something that um, the listeners are able to use and hopes of getting better in fantasy and taking some great advice from some great guests so um yeah um if you don't know you can leave a rating and review on apple podcast and if you want you could take a snapshot of it send it to me at twitter at dead hitter and um i'll send you some pull hitter swag if you want um some stickers fridge magnets baseball cards whatever you're into um yeah, draft season coming up. It's not coming up. It's baseball season coming up. Draft season is hot and heavy. It's been heavy for a while. Um, if you're not getting involved in some of these drafts, that you're kind of losing out on the ability to start getting that practice in. You know, like taking that bat in practice before you go out into the game. So if you have some bigger leagues that are closer to the beginning of the year, now's your time to get into some and really just start practicing. Practicing, checking out the draft boards and flows of draft and the market values of players. Um, yeah, get involved with that. Support your analysts that are out there working hard and putting out podcasts and articles and um Truly a lot of wonderful stuff to get involved in. Um, the SP Streamer Draft Guide is out there. It's super cheap. super informative. Go out and get a copy of that. Go out and get your baseball forecaster. The Process by Jeff Zimmerman and Tanner Bell. 
get all these things. Get all, get your hands on as many draft guides as your brain can absorb and really try to consolidate as much information as you can into being the best drafter and player you can this year. Um, yeah, so um, with that being said, let's get into this episode. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back, folks, to another episode of the Pull Hitter Podcast. I'm Rob DiPietro, the dead pull hitter, and tonight... We're going a little cut line crazy, um, talking about NFBC format, the best ball cut line with Mr. Curtis Jones. How are you doing tonight, Curtis? I'm doing all right, Rob. Thanks for having me on. I love to talk cut line. Yeah, I'm. so um, I noticed when I was doing a little scan of, uh, you know, the historical overall standings and kind of like, uh, you know, do a little opponent, um, you know, stalking and um when I dove into your profile, I was like, wow, Mike, I see all these ones in your, you know, in your historical. I'm like, I, I sat there and I, I think I counted over like 40 top three finishes that you had since <laughs> you've been doing um, the NFBC and baseball. And then, and I saw a ton of cut line, um, you know, and I was like, wow, I was like, this is, this is the guy I need to get on for the old cut line format. Um, and here you are, you're about to give everyone the best advice and cut line around. <laughs> <laughs> so what, I'll, what do you, um, what do you specifically like about this cut line? If you want to give everyone a quick walkthrough of what the format is exactly and um, you know, why you like it so much. Yeah. So it, it's a best ball format. So, you know, one of the reasons I like the like it so much is that I love drafting. I think a lot of us love drafting. We end up getting a little bit over our heads with a fab and lineup setting, but this is a way you can draft and you've only got two fab periods throughout the year and NFBC, their computer set that your lineup for you on a weekly basis. Right. So just to, you know, set the stage, it's their 10 team leagues and they were designed by Todd Zola and KJ Duke, along with Greg and Tom and the NFBC guys years ago for the point system to really match five by five roto that's a little different than your historical points leagues that were they could be wildly different than roto you know where pitchers are more valuable or stolen bases or saves are devalued here you know they, they really wanted it to correlate to five by five value and um, Todd Zola can get really into the numbers for you but I can yeah. just tell you that it's it stayed pretty close I go into uh, cut line drafts with the same draft board that I go into online championship and main event drafts. Um, I don't draft exactly the same, but I don't spend a lot of time moving my draft board around. Interesting. So um, 10 teams, optimal scoring. Uh, that's always a best. I kind of agree with you, you know, wholeheartedly there that drafting is the best and <laughs> these leagues allow you to get into, you know, um, a bunch of draft and watch them play out over the season. Um, but I know that the, the cut line has a little different twist to it, right? It has a, a three week um, playoff per se um, involved um, in the second half of the year on, right? Yep. That's right. So you get your first fab period pretty early in the year, and then you get your second fab period so, sort of around the all-star break. And a little bit after that, uh, that they, they do what they're, you know, 
what they say, the cut line. And so um, the top two teams in each of each league move on to the top tier and the next three, I believe, move on to kind of a wild card round. You really want to be in the top two. Only the first place team in each league actually pays out. And unlike other, you know, onlines and DCs and mains where you win a fair amount of money in your own league in the cut line, it's $150 to get in. It's $250 for the first place, $0 for second place. So it's really all about that overall. Right. So once they do that first cut, um, they get down to, you know, about half the teams, two of two of which 20% of which are in that top uh, tier. And then they cut, they do that two more times. And so, you know, they'll cut down that first one, they'll get to a second one where, you know, a smaller percentage get in and a certain number of those wildcard teams have a chance to get into that top tier, but it's only like five or 10 or something like that. And then a, a fair amount of them stay in that wildcard tier. Once you get down to that final cut, uh, like you said, they're each at three weeks. Once you get down to that final three week period, it's 20 teams. Every one of them is getting an overall prize and kind of like, you know, poker tournaments and the rest of these overall prizes, it's really skewed to the top. Interesting. Wow. That's um, pretty intense. Last year I got involved, but it was, it was just straight, you know, straight, straight to the taste. There wasn't, you know, they didn't break down the playoffs like this. And um, so I know too that, so in that first week um, of the playoffs, there is a way they they kind of average in your point total from the regular season. Am I right about that? As, yeah, you're right. Of- so it's, that regular season, they, they really devalue it and it sort of counts as uh you know, one week and then you do three more weeks that are just as valuable. I think, I think it's one week like that. So you really want to be hot and healthy going into the playoffs. Right. You know, it pays <laughs> to have a good regular season, but you got to get the hot those three weeks, each one of those uh, playoff runs. That's pretty, that's pretty intense. Um, hot, how how far have you gotten? How close have you gotten to the overall? Well, I was uh, finished fourth uh, in 2019. I finished ninth in 2018. I've been first place in the overall and cut line for, you know, legit periods of times each of the last few years, including last year when I didn't actually make that top 20. So I, I felt like I was really close. And it's, yeah. I mean, I, I think it's really the best sweat out there. It's It's different from your DC run last year where you're sweating every lineup move, looking at every stat you can possibly look, probably looking at too much batter versus pitcher (laughs) more than you should, but cut line, there's nothing you could do about it after that second fabs. You're really just watching every single at bat. That's really intense. And, and like you said, you know, it's, it's in the player's hands, you know, they're just going to have to do what they have to do. You're going to, you know, trust them to, you know, put the points up that you need, but at the same time, you don't have to make those lineup choices, um, which is, yeah, like you said, it was a lot of lefty righty split. Um, I was, uh, <laughs> I forgot on one of the podcasts, I think it was maybe Vlad, I was telling him how, like, a, um, most of my lineup changes felt like fabs, you know, like they, <laughs> actually, they actually felt that involved and that intense, you know, every, everything was magnified, um, you know, hitting that save lineup. I must have like, looked at, <laughs> you know, it was just, you know, the whole day was on Twitter. Uh, just any split, like last second lineup changes. Um, it was nuts. The amount of notifications I had set, you know, <laughs> Yeah, I bet. No, that's, an awesome, that's an awesome run. You went on. Congrats on that win. Thank you, man. Yeah. It was pretty wild. Um, so, I mean, 
I didn't do so well. I did I did one cut line league last year. I didn't do so well in that one. And then the athletic had a subscriber one that I did pretty well in. Um so yeah, it's interesting. In too. Yeah, yeah. So I wasn't, you know, it's an interesting format. I, I I'm definitely gonna um get into it. So I know uh, my buddy Phil was in a bunch of leagues with you, right? Drafting with you. And um, he's so, I was like, I'm just going to wait until you're done drafting. Or you <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you try to avoid some of the other uh, bulk, really good players a lot, especially the ones that like a lot of the same guys you do. Well, I yeah. Can't, I can't get away from your boy, Phil. I was in those best ball twelves with him and now he's been getting into the cut line. Right. That's the thing. I like, we, we have a good dialogue daily and, you know, um, I, I was like, you know what? I, I, I can't, I can't go against, I know so many of his guys and he feels the same way. And it's like, you know, don't, it's not even a bother if we don't have to, you know, <laughs> you don't have to, but um, at some point, you know, you're going to be in a draft with people that definitely um, know what you like. And um, it's pretty interesting. And you know, I think that, but, and the battle of the podcast draft that we did, it was, you know, <laughs> we all knew who, who we liked. And, you know, it, it's kind of part of the draft board. It's kind of part of the player evaluation. It's looking ahead and saying, well, these guys like this guy. So if I take this guy here, maybe this other guy will let back to me. So um, it's more than ADP chicken. It becomes, yeah. you know, who your opponents um, are kind of, you know, targeting as well. Um so that's pretty impressive. So tell me, um, how close was the last couple of weeks for you? Like, what what's the point difference that you were looking at? Like, were you kind of like where one kind of big swing might have helped you to win? Or was it, you know, just, just sniffing it? Yeah, I'd say w- when I finished ninth, um, I had a couple guys go down in that last week where I really couldn't catch those last two or three guys. But when I went, when I finished fourth, I think in 2019, I mean, if Bryce Harper had gone yard in the last game, I would have won it all. I think it was literally that close. Wow. <laughs> I mean, wow. It, it can, you know, I, I remember last year when they didn't change the points going into the playoffs in the end, um, the, the first couple guys were, were pretty out of reach, even if Reese Hoskins, who was just white hot for a couple weeks there and carrying my teams, if he hadn't gone down, I think I'd make the top 20, but I don't know that I win because that, you know, that a couple of the guys at the top were just, they were gone. Right. But in 2019, it was definitely a chance. I mean, wow. going into the last day. That's pretty wild. So yeah, it, it's a big difference in money too. <laughs> right. It is right. Yeah. I want that overall title, but I mean, I think I won eight and first place was like 70 or something. You know? Right. right. <laughs> so still a good day from that, um, you know, that entry fee. So yeah, definitely. But, yeah. That's awesome. Um, So, you know, I, it, it's funny because I'm trying to like think of some strategies for this kind of system. And what I was thinking, like for some reason, I remember last year, a lot of analysts were talking about how um, pitchers would actually be the ones to cover in a short season. Um, and I was kind of thinking in that nine week short season that it is at the end, would it be kind of ideal to, you know, um, I guess draft or like pitchers that you know at the end of the year would be your anchors or how do you like to draft your teams in this in this format I'm more heavy bat early and you know fill in my pitching staff later I I will take those top studs if they drop a little bit you know I was in a league recently where nobody was taking pitchers early so I I took a bunch of the the really good pitchers in the first few rounds and you know 
we're used to 12 and 15 team leagues. Your teams can look pretty stacked yeah. in these 10 team leagues. <laughs> like, Oh, my team's awesome. Well, so is everybody else's, you right. know, great point. I, I, I'm more, you know, in an ideal world, I'm heavy hitter. I do like multi-position eligibility guys because in the cut line and the NFPC, uh, best balls, they will give you the benefit of those multi-position guys. They'll fill them in at second base or third base or outfield, depending on where they're eligible, if they work. Whereas, you know, fan tracks where a lot of people play their, their best ball leagues, it's one position only per person. So I do like to go heavy hitter. And I think it's probably because I've been reading Rasball for like 10 plus years. And Gray's always been heavy hitter, hates the top pitchers. You know, I, I, you know, pivot a little bit from that in the, the main event leagues and the OCs a little bit, but you know, in the cut lines, I, I still, I still tend to go heavy hitter early. Interesting. Very interesting. And, and I've known, I've heard it from, you know, Todd Dola and Derek Rhodes about, you know, and even Phil has talked about it, but like the, the worth of the multi-eligibility player also, like it doesn't come a lot to in a year. It's just what it does in the draft. Right. Like, you know, yeah. at, at, at some later point in the draft where you're looking at some players where like, oh, you know what, I can pick this guy up because then I can shift, you know, Jeff McNeil over to third and, you know, yeah. you have more flexibility that way. Um, but yeah, for uh, like the best ball where you don't have to pick your lineup, having those, you know, multi-eligibility guys, um, very, very crucial. And yeah, I the think, system moves around for you. So, right, Perfect. right. The system moves around for you. Um, I don't understand how Fantrax only has one position. It, <laughs> it drives it me bothers, crazy. It drives me crazy. <laughs> to every time I'm in this, you know, like a, a simple $10 basketball, I'm just like, why, why am I, why do they do this to myself? I know. You know. I have a dynasty league over there and I like their software, but I, I don't do the best balls anymore because it's just such a, big switch from doing a bunch of cut line drafts right. to going over there and doing their best balls. I, I can't handle it. Guys like and Derek I, Rhodes have been doing it forever. They'll just mop the floor with me because I'm just not ready. <laughs> yeah, I know hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. I love, I love the, um, I love the site. Um, it's, I just had my first dynasty league a couple of years ago and, you know, we have it on there and it's awesome. It's a it's very yeah. easy use site when you're going that deep in the player pool too but um, yeah, definitely yeah, no no thanks on the um <laughs> <laughs> so all right so there's 42 rounds in in the draft and like you said 10 teams so yeah sometimes you look around and you're like wow everyone else's team is is pretty great too so how do you like to divvy up the batter pitcher split are you um looking for a specific split yeah i, I go into every league with the same grid set up and my grid's got uh, the nine starting pitchers and nine bench pitchers. So I'm a 24, 18 split in a normal world. Um, I, I will switch that every up every now and then, if I feel like I've got a lot of positional flexibility and I'm kind of deep at each of the infield positions and I've got my nine or 10 outfielders, I'll take an extra pitcher sometimes. Um, but I've been doing it that way for a few years now. Now there are other uh, cut line players that finish at the top that take more pitchers than me. Um, and, you know, it, it does correspond in those last few weeks. I do struggle sometimes to fill pitching spots, but I don't struggle to fill my hitting spots. And when I look at those other teams, I see them struggle to, you know, filling outfield spots or filling infield spots or something like that. So I, you know, it's not a 50 round draft. You know, you're going to have guys get hurt. You're going to have guys go down. Um, you're going to have guys on the bench that, that are performing well. So I don't think there's any perfect way to do it. Um, this year, I think I will try to do a couple drafts that where I take a few extra pitchers. And I'm also thinking about in that second fab period, if I end up loaded at a few positions, maybe switching out some of my 
you know, worst hitters for some pitchers there and changing up my ratio. Mm. Um, but if I was only doing five or six cut lines, I probably wouldn't do that, but I'm going to do 20 some cut lines. So <laughs> <laughs> I've got some room to uh, play around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's a lot of different builds that you could play with there. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. When you go deep like that and you just, all right, you know, could just pick your, pick your path and, and not concentrate on, you know, and I've had people tell me that that actually hinders them because they end up like going too far out of their, you know, um, a comfort, comfort zone, zone, you know, like, um, but 24 teams sound, you know, great. I think <laughs> I think I want to get involved with something. It makes like that those fab periods pretty <laughs> tough, especially that second one when you just, that second fab period has to be perfect. It's okay to make a mistake in that first fab period because you get another shot, but that second fab period, that's it. You don't want a guy on your bench that's a, a black hole the rest of the year because you didn't set enough contingent bids or you tried to spend a thousand and one dollars when you only had a thousand. Right. Um, you just can't make that mistake there. Right. That's um, two fab periods. Um, I, I'm I'm going to be honest and say I missed the first one last year. Uh, <laughs> it happens. <laughs> yeah, I, I was totally not paying attention to the fact that when the date was for some reason i just yeah. thought it was like the next tuesday um and yeah not and it's a it tuesday was. instead of a sunday so it throws people off too yes absolutely throws threw me off um so it's it's an interesting strategy with the two fab periods and especially having that first one like after the first week of the season because i was like playing in my brain with like um a couple of you know approaches to it especially with like late relievers kind of like free agent guys well mark melanson got signed but um yeah. i was thinking about guys like him you know taking him late as they slip and then if he doesn't really land that coveted job you can kind of just cut him you it's know dropped. right yeah and um i know closers too have uh, a, everyone feels a little different about closers um how how do you feel about them yeah, I definitely keep them on my draft board. You know, right. I'm not chasing closers because you're not chasing saves, obviously. But if people let them drop, I'm going to take them. I actually had a, a draft that's uh, either just finished or one of the current ones where I have three of the top five closers. I don't know that I've ever done that before, but they dropped two to three rounds past their cut line ADP, which is obviously several rounds past their normal ADP. I mean, by the time right. you get to March in those roto leagues, they'll be going way higher than that and they still right. put up points like if you look at the points that the top closers put up the last few years it's big now obviously they have a bigger chance of losing their job which is your problem in the with closers especially in cut line when you only have those two bad periods but they can saves can come in bunches so um you know i i listen to a lot of podcasts just like you and um something that kind of rang true with me this year was todd zola and a couple of early ones said you either want to have a bunch of those closers or you don't want to have any of them and I think that I've sort of uh, subconsciously done that for years. And, and right. this year I've kind of put it on my list of like things to concentrate on. If I don't end up with any of those first 20, I'll take a couple shots late, but um, you know, not going to fill in the blank with one or two of them in those fad periods though. So I, I, I guess going back to your point, I do agree. Take those shots, especially in these early drafts, Trevor Rosenthal is going, you know, in the mid 200, sometimes late 200s. If he, wow. if he doesn't get a job somehow, drop him. It's fine. It's not going to kill you. You can drop him early on. He's only a, a zero for one week, not even a zero. He'll be a few points or something. Right. Um, Lanson, right. I took him early a couple of times. I may drop him if he ends up not getting the job and they go with Pomerantz. You can always pick him back up in that second tab because he'll be out there. 
Um, but Rosenthal, he could be huge. I mean, think about, I mean, if the Braves sign him, you know, right. the, his relievers have been going for pretty cheap. If he ends up the closer for the Braves. I mean, that that's a huge job. Right. Right. I, I totally agree with that. Um, and, and, you know, you mentioned that saves come in bunches, you know, so it was another thing I was trying to break down in my head, like when they, when they capture their points, right. You know, they come in those spurts where, they get two saves in a week with a bunch of K's and, you know, two flawless innings and they're putting up a great amount of points. Um, or even three saves in a week. Right. That's as good as like a Bieber two start week or something. <laughs> it's, it's yeah, big. See, right. See, that's big. And that's, and, and, and it does happen. And I guess like you're saying, if you have a bunch of closers and, you know, that ability for them to capture those, them, you know, in bunches um, as compared to, you know, maybe having, a starter having um, a crappy start, you know, that's, um, I guess the volume play definitely helps in that, mm-hmm. in that way. It's interesting. Yeah. Cause I, I noticed in the first couple of best balls I did this year that, you know, people weren't really paying attention to them. Um, yeah. And I jumped on a couple of teams where I had Hendrick Chapman and you know, yeah. Hater Chapman or, um, and it wasn't so early, but it was still a point where I was like, all right, well, you know, I had, I had the um, Derek Rhodes' best ball um, sheet with my mm-hmm. projections in there. I had Todd Zola's um, best ball sheet up. And, you know, they they were both telling me, hey, you know, this um, they're the pick right here, you know. Yeah. So, um, like you said, if they're going to fall, um, you know, you might as well hop on. You know, I, yep. I think it makes sense because a point's a point, you know, right? Yep. However way you get it, it's – um, oh, man, so – yeah, it's interesting. I've seen people handle closers a whole bunch of different ways. Um, so yeah. that's why I wanted to get your opinion on it because there's some guys that just don't take any of them. And if you right, get enough all, of those right? guys in a in a single league, which you can have, that's when the closers just start dropping. That's an interesting point. Yeah. So if you have half the league just completely not paying attention to them, you can kind of just gobble it up, and that'll kind of dictate yeah. how you draft that team almost a little bit, yeah. I guess. You know. Yeah, uh, you end up with a few more early pitchers and less late ones. You know, right. normally I'm like, in, I like to take six, seven, eight, you know, of my last 10 picks will be pitchers. And it's just guys with jobs like your, um, your, your Lorenzen's or your Luke Weavers or, you know, guys that can really blow up your ratios in a roto league. But in, in cut line, they have a bad start. They're just on your bench. Right. They have a good start. They have a, you know, six inning 9k win start. I mean, that's a, that's a big week in cut line and they, those those kinds of guys, those volatile starting pitchers, they, they have those weeks. I like to target the high K guys um, because they can put up those big starts. Yeah, like, I'm not worried when they get blown up. Right, right, because like you said, just get discarded. On you know, unless you just happen to have so many bad pitchers that that negative fight you. But that's that happens, probably right? yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still, like um, yeah, I see the appeal of a Robbie Ray. You know, you put a you know, you got a guy like that, your team, and he, he finds a couple of his starts where he goes seven innings with 12 Ks and, and yeah. two walks and gets to win. And that's, that's a big save from a guy you didn't spend a lot of capital on to get. Yep. Um, right. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Uh, guys like Luke Weaver. Um, Cause I do think he's going to find something again this year, um, but having those high, high upside arms later on in your team. So you said you like yep. to just comp- um, about your last eight, eight or 10 picks is pretty much just back with all SP. Yeah. Just a lot, just a lot of pitchers. Right. Um, and I, and I, you know, I tend to take a couple late, late outfielders or something too, but just a lot of pitchers. there. Right. Right. That makes sense. Um, 
how how many outfielders are you grabbing in your rosters? You have like a specific, like a minimum for each position or like outfielders, you just feel like if I get a certain amount that I feel comfortable with, that's good. Or you hitting a number. Yeah. So uh, um, I, I like to have four catchers. I like to have four guys eligible at each infield position. Okay. And then on my grid, I've got three bench outfielder spots, but I almost always have 10 or 11 because I like to take guys like Hunter Dozier, who I slide into a first base slot on my grid, but he's got outfield eligibility. Um, right. I've got way too much Scott Kingery already, <laughs> second base outfield, and I don't know why. I liked him coming into last year. He had COVID. I'm kind of giving him a pass, but he's also going, you know, 300 plus or something like that. No, got a lot like of Mauricio it. Dubon, who's you know both middle infield positions and outfield. I've, um, I like J.D. Davis too much. You know, I hope the Mets don't trade for Matt Chapman and he loses his job or something. Like <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But, you know, there's just a lot of those guys that have dual eligibility with an infield slot and an outfield slot. And that's how I can end up with 10 outfield eligible guys, despite only having you know three spots on my bench in theory for outfield. Got it. Got it. I see. Yeah. So you're counting that that player who got the multi as as part of the outfield eligible. So, yep. yeah, that's awesome. Um yeah, because I feel like sometimes the 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 I can get outfield late kind of bite people in the butt. Um, yeah. Even even in a smaller league, you know, um, I think people kind of tend to forget like the the player pool gets shrunk, right? So, yeah. So you know, even though you, everyone's got the ability to have quote unquote stacked teams, you still need to have that differentiation. Yeah. You know, in in your quality of players. So like you know if you grabbing Cedric Mullins as your third or fourth outfielder to me, you know, what yeah. do you, you know, I don't know. I just think that's bad approach. Uh, yeah, I, your I eighth think, outfielder is different. You're your third or fourth and it's trouble. <laughs> right. Right. But you know, I've seen builds like that where it's like, yeah. you know, they, the thinking comes in to play a little too hard with the, you know, I can get outfielders late and it's just like, eh, yeah, right, a lot well. of those late outfielders are, are platoon kind of guys and, right. and in cut line that can work a little better because you know, you got Jock Peterson, he's going to play when he plays and, and you'll get those weeks when he's, you know, he's playing and, and he'll start on your team. And when he's sitting some, maybe he'll sit less for the Cubs this year, but then he's on your bench and cut line. But you have too many of those guys late in a 15 team league and you end up in trouble. You end up just low on at, at bats. And, uh, uh, you know, most people know that volume is the key to moving up those those overalls i i know you said on your dc team you were pretty low on the volume but that's not usually the case with those top overall teams yeah when i put together so i'm like i'm a spaz on excel and so at the at the end of the year i'm trying to extract all these stats you know into a workbook and it was like the first workbook i made of like multiple extraction tables like wow this is cool and <laughs> when when i was doing sorting of the stats and i had at bats up there and i was like whoa and i saw that i was in the middle of the pack yeah and wild yeah and it was really wild because the efficiency i had on a per at bat basis for home runs and rbis and run you know yeah. was just really wild so just um, huge yeah. yeah just huge um yeah. So yeah, volume is definitely king. And um, yeah, I'm the type who likes to have comfort in my outfielders. I don't like the platoon types. And then I get what you're saying though, too, because you can have Jock Peterson who, who maybe sits, you know, on more, most of the games one week, but he'll have those weeks where he can, you know, really be streaky. Um, so, 
speaking of bats to profile, um, is are, are there specific bats that you're looking for? Um, maybe is it a high contact bat or guys less prone to, you know, be streaky? Yeah, I, I think early on, I, I like to go for those those solid, consistent bats. You know, I, I don't mind taking a, a big power guy like a Matt Olson or a, um, I'm totally blanking on the guy for the Mets. Pete Alonzo. <laughs> Pete Alonzo. <laughs> a brain fart there. I don't mind having guys like that with low batting average and in, in, um, in big home runs because they tend to be streaky too. Um, but but I do like to get, you know, guys who are going to play every day in those first 10 rounds and and you know, have good contact skills at, at the same time, you know, in, in a 15 team league, I, I'm much more likely to take a, a Michael Brantley type than I am in cut line. Right. I'm much more likely to take a Jorge Soler around that Brantley time in cut line because of those bombs can come in, in bunches too. And so you can kind of chase that, that embrace the volatility as I like to think in those cut line drafts, because, right. you know, you're, your uh, your Franimals and your Schwarbers, you know, I mean, they go on streaks where they are hitting just home run after home run after home run, and when they're not, they're on your bench. I mean, I don't know that you want an entire team of that. So right. it's good to have that base of you know your your Yelichs, your you know guys guys that are going to play every day that are going to hit. Um, I you know his 20, 2020 might be a bad example, but you know your kind of high average guys who aren't really going to have too many bad weeks where they're not in your lineup. Right. And I think you made a great point in saying that it shouldn't be a whole team of those guys because, yeah. you know, on weeks where they're all struggling or sh that streak is on the other side of, you know, them not doing well, then you're really going to pull down your total points again for points that week, but yeah. they have that solid base, you know, cause I always think of like, you know, I, my first, my first, um, memories of anything best ball was football you know when it started up and you know i remember how everyone kind of pitched it to people it's like oh you know you won't have to decide which week to start deshaun jackson you <laughs> yeah. know like that's He's the perfect example <laughs> right and, and that's what everyone get in and so in my mind in my brain that always like was okay you know like these are the guys they need to draft you know yeah but you know without really you know you play and you're realizing wow yeah my, my team isn't consistent enough then you realize yeah i can't have all the uh, deshaun yeah. jackson's of the world you know yeah right. so you're gonna take yeah. too many zeros if you have too many of those guys absolutely absolutely and what about pitchers um what kind do you uh target healthy ones um, <laughs> amen you know be, because those last uh two months are all about being healthy i really want guys who are healthy i don't want anybody with like a shoulder or an elbow injury coming into the season right you won't see thor or severino or chris sale on any of my teams this year right. unless they've literally been dropped and they're pitching and i pick them up in that second fab period right so i want guys that are healthy I mean, you know, I, I am taking Frankie Montas, who had some injury issues last year, but I'm not taking to Nelson Lamette, except for one draft where he dropped to like 160. And I said, OK, I bite. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, because I think with that first week of fab, I think that's a great bite because, um, you know, the probability that he doesn't hold up all year is 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 probably better than the probability that he does um yeah but at the same time um part of my brain likes to just challenge the majority thought just to you know just to make sure i'm 
you know, not being biased to thoughts. And, you know, I'm thinking, well, you know, this team, the Padres are investing so much in winning, right? They're like yeah. all in, they push the chips in, but they had enough of uh, wherewithal and I guess the physical um, test for uh, Mike, Mike Clevenger came out to be like, he needed to be shut down. So yeah. part of my brain goes, why, why wouldn't they shut him down as well? If it, if it was so bad, right? Yeah. So no, it, it's certainly possible. It's certainly possible. And I feel like, yeah, when you can drop him in that first week, and like you said, now you can scoop up another guy that's come up with a job. And yeah, at 160, if he does give you even 120 innings of what he yeah. did last year, and then he happened to get shut down. Um, if he gets hurt, I want him to get hurt before that second fab period. Though. Right. <laughs> <laughs> perfect world or like but like you were mentioning you know maybe maybe that's something that you even consider right like hey you know maybe you need another spot and you're just thinking in your head and that's all right i'm gonna go into this playoff do i want to you know chance that he's gonna stay healthy the rest of the year and yeah maybe you just cut him anyway but um you do find i mean that's a big decision decision point you know i i spend a lot of time chatting back and forth with uh jason koofs who's another big cut line player Mm -hmm. um and we we just go back and forth before that second period, second fat period for weeks about, hey, you dropping this guy, you dropping this guy. <laughs> it's, the, it's usually the guys that are hurt, right? And so you like if they're going to come back one week after that fat period, you want to hold on to them. But man, you really don't want to hold a guy that you flipped a coin on only to have him not play the rest of the year. That just kills you. Right. Right. Absolutely. Um... What about um, a guy like Steven Strasburg? How do you feel about him this year? Yeah, so I've I, I've taken him uh, one time, and, and that's also when he dropped. You know, I, I think his ADP is around seventy in cut line, and he I want to say he dropped to one twenty, one thirty, and I pulled yeah. the trigger. Yeah, I would. Um, you know, as a top hundred pick, I, I just can't take him there. You know, I'd rather take Glasnow, who's going about the same spot. At least he's healthy, right? And right. he's going to have those big starts, and not like Strasburg. I just don't know. There's no, um, there's no track record with that surgery for major league pitchers. Right. Yeah. There is for the general population of the world. For good... those of us with desk jobs, like there's lots of us that have had that surgery. But I, you know, I don't throw a baseball at 94 miles an hour for a living. <laughs> Absolutely right. You couldn't have said it right. Every, everyone, you know, I know multiple people who've had it done and they're like, yeah, hey, I feel great. Feel better. <laughs> How do you think Stevie Strackman's going to feel? Yeah, you were throwing a slider <laughs> 88 miles an hour. <laughs> I throw wiffle balls, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, man that's the that's a really great point um but back yeah. to those injured guys like you know around where the sales and severinos are going like i'd rather just take brady singer you know <laughs> i know oh, he's yeah. gonna get his starts yeah. and throw 170 innings and you know be in my lineup half the time yeah i think i think those are just poor poor plays um in general i think i've taken thor in like one of my 10 best ball leagues that i've done yeah. like the, the cheaper league the you know the ten dollar league it's just yeah. because I, I think it was just at a point too where it was probably after the day where he was throwing with his shirt off and just like this yeah. guy's ready to throw i yeah, did that exactly. with chapman last year too in the main event yeah. like he had covid and then he was doing 800 pound squats and i'm like nothing's gonna stop oh this i know and, and i but- mean <laughs> And so my my best main event team, who I, I did place in my league, but I was first place in the overall for about two weeks, probably yes, you were. maybe a little yeah. more. And Britain was a major reason why. And mm. then I lost 
Giles, I think, and I had Britain. And when when Britain stopped closing, that that was it for my team. I mean, I just couldn't. I ran out of time. I couldn't find any saves. I picked up. I spent two twenty on Gyro Diaz. You know, I just right. I was just swinging and missing left and right. But, I mean, my team was so stacked, and it was just saves it just fell apart and you can't win the overall without two closers in the name right right and was Britain a guy that you drafted I did you, yeah. yeah I drafted yeah. him and I was targeting him too you know I was like I'm gonna take one early guy and um and I went with Giles over Brad Hand I mean I don't even want to know where I would have finished <laughs> had I just taken Brad Hand instead of Ken Giles he'd have been in right. my lineup the whole whole year it's amazing how much closers can impact that you That's know a I mean coin flip that yeah, was a coin, coin flip f- draft, you know. But yeah, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but those it's it it's funny how you mentioned Britain. You know, like was a real big push. Um, Presley was the guy that was like my team MVP. He, yeah, he I had awesome. I had a bunch of like guys that I picked past three hundred that returned like twenty dollars of value, but yeah. Presley um really was elevating me from winning my league to putting me into contention yeah and to winning the overall because he was just one of those all right awesome. you know and he was he was free he was free I mean, you, yeah you had to draft him in dcs but i mean he was practically free and in cut line he was a huge first fad period pick pickup oh, i can I think I think Framer Valdez went in the first fad period too. Right, might have gone in the second one, and I didn't have enough money for him. But I picked up, uh, I picked up Presley in a couple spots. I mean, he was huge. He right. was just a huge pickup, right? Because people yeah. were just drafting Ozuna, and you don't really draft, you know, handcuffs and cut line. <laughs> they're, right, they're not worth a whole lot, right? Right, right. So, and everybody thought Ozuna was healthy. You're right, a hundred percent. Is um, even a guy like Presley too. You know, like you're saying it. it, it it's rare that the next man up will get drafted. Uh, yeah. What about Devin Williams? Is he going high in these kind of he, drafts? He's going pretty high. I, I've, yeah. I've got it right here. He's going 192 right now. Wow. Um, that's too early for me in cut line. Um, but I do have a couple shares of him. And it's when in those leagues where nobody's taking closers. And I've gotten him, say, 260. And I finally just pulled trigger. Um, right, one of those right. leagues is the one where I took Hater at you know 85 or something like that. And I said, "Well, now Williams is around a 260. I may as well kind of protect that pick." Interesting. Interesting. Maybe Hater gets traded, and I've got two closers out of it. Right. Uh, that's 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 the best thing that happened when you speculate on that and yeah. that trade happened in one of my home leagues. The one year I had um, I had Chapman, Andrew Miller, and. Um, Who's the other closer on the Yankees? And they, um, Chapman stayed, but Miller got traded to the Indians. And oh man, the Bat- Batances so and Batances, yeah, yeah, yes. And um, uh, it was my strategy too to get all three of them just for ratios, you <laughs> oh, know. But then, awesome. but I when mean, they seven, happened, eight, nine right? every night, you know, right every night. And when it happened to get traded, I remember there was a guy in the, it was on the message board like, "You got to be fucking kidding me." <laughs> 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 like you have landed in a gold mine here. Yeah, yeah. We just had two like really high fab guys. I'm not really even doing fab, you know. Just happened yeah. to be on my teams. We're gonna take a quick break, and it'll be sponsored by our very close friend of the show, Phil Duso, found on Twitter at Phil Duso twenty seven. He brings a little four minute segment on having balance in roto leagues. Here's the robot. Is it real segment with Phil Dussault? 
This is the robot is it real segment where the robot himself Phil Dusso talks about random baseball stats. In today's segment, I'll be talking about the importance of balance in a roto draft. Most experienced fantasy players realize the importance of balancing in a roto league. If we take stolen bases as an example, in the 2019 main event, once your team reached 90 stolen bases, every additional stolen base earned you on average 9.5 points in the overall standings until you reach 125 stolen bases. Your next 10 stolen bases, however, gave you only on average 5.7 points, so their value dropped by 40%. This applies to every category, so the easiest path to winning is to have a balanced team and be between the 70th and the 80th percentile in every category. This ensures that you don't waste any of your player's stats. Once you know that, when drafting, you want to be as balanced as possible or have a plan to become balanced during the season. What that means is that if you're great at streaming two-star pitchers in season who will earn you strikeouts and wins, then make sure you get pitchers that you project for lower ratios in the draft. Now that we've established that, what I want to talk about today is the importance of drafting balanced players early in the draft. Let's say you're drafting from the 15th spot and you start your draft with Freddie Freeman and Cody Bellinger. You'll be great in four categories, but you only have about 20 stolen bases and no starting pitcher. With your next two picks, you're pretty much forcing yourself to take at least one starting pitcher, and if you take a hitter, you have to get stolen bases. So what happens if uh, Randy Arozarena and Trent Grisham get pushed up, but Vlad and Ozuna are available? You either pass on them, or you put yourself in a deeper hole at stolen bases. Let's use an even more extreme example, like Alberto Mondesi. If you project Mondesi for 50 stolen bases, and your target is 120 during the season, it means you want to average 5.4 stolen bases from your other 13 roster spots. What happens if you get two point in the draft, and the only player you like is someone that you project for 20 stolen bases? You probably can't even draft them. Or if you do, then you won't be maximizing their stats, as I mentioned earlier. The reason I'm, vo- I'm, I'm avoiding Mondesi this year is because even if he does steal 50, 60, or 70 stolen bases, you won't be on nearly as many winning teams as you would expect. Most teams will, that will have drafted him will either have missed out on better players in later rounds, or will end up with 150 stolen bases, and hence will have wasted some value. How many times have you heard people say, yeah, I don't really like Malik Smith, but I took him anyways because I needed steals. They know they're making a bad pick, but they have to because in the early rounds, they drafted the best player available instead of paying attention to balance. The more balanced your team is at every point in the draft, the more options you have with every pick. This also ties in with multi-position eligible players. In the early third round, you might be looking at DJ LeMayu and Kyle Tucker. You might think Tucker is a better player, but you have no idea what will happen with the rest of the draft. Once you get to round 20, if you drafted a few multi-position eligible players, you'll probably be able to draft the best hitter available. If you didn't, you might be looking for the best second baseman. You might, you might get lucky and he could be the, the, the best hitter available or he could be the 20th best hitter available. You might also get lucky and never need a backup second baseman or find a great one in fab in April. But you could also, you could also lose your, your starting second baseman to a torn ACL and spend all year looking for one on fab. It's a long season, so a lot of things can change and you don't have to go crazy with balance in the draft. But my point is that if you keep your team balanced and draft a few multi-position eligible players, you'll have more options for the rest of the draft and won't be forced into making bad picks because you absolutely need a specific position or a category. When you're getting ready to draft a player, just remember that the more balanced your team is after this pick, 
the more options you'll have with your next pick. I just wanted to ask you a couple more questions about the fab. How yeah. much do you put into like looking ahead to scheduling or to something that it just maybe too much to kind of forecast, you know, um, three months um, or two months on that first one, or is it just more like, I'm going to get the best player at the moment. It's really best player at the moment for me. I I'm not saying that that wouldn't be a good strategy to look ahead and look at scheduling. Um, but that second fab period, it's early enough that, you know, it's a lot of season left. And, you, you know, you really need to finish first or second in your league. That's the other thing about drafting injured guys is, hey, maybe he comes back middle of the year, but you're not in the first tier of the playoffs when he does come back and he's pitching for you. Right. You've got to finish first or second to stay in that top tier. So in, in the fab period, I'm really looking at, you know, the best guys available. You know, I look at um, at Rudy Gamble's like rest of season projections on Razball mm -hmm. and they're kind of like steamer based. Um, and, you know, I'm looking at, you know, who's kind of who's hot right now you know you, you kind of want to stay hot but um it, you know you, you're spending a lot of time figuring out who to cut from your team obviously you're cutting the injured guys but you want to make sure that you're not keeping closers who have lost their jobs um guys that you thought were going to start like a Luis Urias last year and he just mm -hmm. never played and maybe this year like if they sign another guy maybe he's not starting on a regular basis again um, you don't want to keep those guys just because they're healthy. And you right. can find yourself doing that when you've got a bunch of cut line leagues and 42 players on each team. Um, other thing about fab is don't be afraid to go big in that first fab period. Uh, the, the top players are going to go for a lot. You know, a top prospect gets called up that wasn't drafted. Now, um, you know, clinic and those guys are getting drafted this year, but there are going to be some guys say, uh, I don't know what, what's the um, what, what's the Astros uh, starting pitcher who everybody loves the last couple of years, but hasn't come up Forrest Whitley. Yeah. Forrest Whitley. Like he's not really getting drafted this year. So say right. he comes up somehow and is starting for the Astros. He's going to go for 650, 750 big numbers. Right. Um, so don't be Are afraid to go big guy? in that first one. I am not a prospect guy, generally speaking, because draft, I just right? in the draft, I yeah. don't like to take zeros. Right. You know, I, I want to, I want 42 guys playing for me in that first in that first period, 100%. I have taken, you know, a, a one clinic, I think this year, because it seems like he's got a pretty good job of coming up, but I have made that mistake in the past. That's one thing I've learned from. I've sat on a McKenzie Gore for four months before. I mean, I've, right. I've done it in cut line before and it's just burned me in the past. And I just, I just don't do it anymore. Right. Right. Like uh, Steve Weiber likes to say, boring is beautiful. Like he just loves, yeah, exactly. he loves the high volume guys who are just yeah. not, not flashy that are just going <laughs> to, play <laughs> give, give me give me mark kanha you know <laughs> like right, i mean i'll right. just take the guy who's gonna play and produce and and he's just playing from day one right um so Absolutely. yeah I, I try to go big in that first fab period fill all my holes get rid of injured guys get rid of guys who surprise aren't playing and then in that second fab period you're pretty close to that cut half the guys in your league might not bid anything they might forget about it they might have spent all their money you can get guys for pretty cheap you know make sure mm. you've got a million contingency bids. I know most right. people, most people listening to your podcast are probably doing that anyway and Sunday fabs, but like even more than you normally would, you really can't have too many contingency bids on there because if you whiff, there's no next Sunday. Right. No, that's a hundred percent right. Because there's, you don't have another opportunity. So you yeah. need to really go through every last option. Like, um, yeah, I'm sure it is a million contingency bids. Um, I wasn't that close to, you know, 
in a competitive league. So I, it wasn't really as serious on my, on my end, but I, yeah. I can imagine that the stakes are heightened where you really can't, you know, even if it's the, like the worst guy on your team who you like, ah, I still don't want this guy on my team. You may, you have to make sure he comes out. Right. Yeah. You, you yeah, exactly. Sure I'm building that big spreadsheet with, you know, everybody, everybody that's available in every league, everybody that I want to cut, you know, if I've got $212 left, I've got, Hey, I'm spending $146 here and $22 here and $8 here and $6 here on my, you know, you'll have in that second fad period, you'll have 12 different sets or 14 different sets. I mean, you can drop a lot of guys. Right. Right. That's, that's awesome. I, <laughs> and, and you know what? The NFPC site just makes it so much. It's so nice to do it. You know, right. it, yeah, you it's just really... copy it over, get rid of that top guy, put a new guy to drop. And then you've got your same list again and you can just change that number. percent. Um, I really had a disaster cut line fab last year. Um, I didn't make any math mistakes, but, and I picked up, Franchi Cordero and Oliver Drake and, and guys like that in that second period. I picked up some Britons and Presleys in the first one that were great, but I killed myself in that second period. And then when you got into the playoffs, they didn't actually cut those points down like they did right. before. You know, it was just that those points stayed. So having those those bad numbers, those zeros, I mean, it it killed me. Yeah. It's um Zeros are, are not good for the team. <laughs> not good. Oliver Drake had one good year, one good Oliver week, and then Drake. he was done. And then Franchi was hurt immediately. immediately. And so now people are like, oh, look, he's going to play for the Red Sox. I was like, no, thank you. <laughs> I know. I know. I'll I... forgive some people, but I'm not forgiving Franchi. He's dead to me. <laughs> you know what? Is he so, he's like um... – I feel he's like that Teoscar where, you know, that skill set is there and it could the be such cast a hero, right? Right. right? It could yeah. be a, such a difference maker. And he just, you know, and I, I, you know, I, I did a bunch of Twitter searching on him and Google searching on him. And he had a couple of, couple of videos, a couple highlights from, you know, playing, playing overseas yeah. at home. And, um, you know, it was just like, Oh, you know, yeah. Oh, he's, <laughs> he just, I mean, he's super yeah. talented. Yeah. He really is. You, you dream on him, you know, you're like, Oh, I'm going to take him pick 400. He's going to be awesome. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I wonder if this trade yeah. gives him more, more access to playing time. It was a very interesting deal. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think he'll play. I, you know, it's always good to hit on a couple of those late outfielders. Um, I took, Kyle Lewis and Trent Grisham everywhere last year. And it was huge. Right. Right. Yeah. Those guys make a big difference. Guys, even like yeah. Mike, Mike Yastrzemski, you know, where everyone yeah. was kind of questioning his, you know, was he going to be, and he, he proved that he, he was legit. Um, yep. Yeah. That's um, those are different. I didn't, I didn't have any, I didn't have any Yaz or, uh, or Teoscar, but you know, I had Kyle Lewis and Trent Grisham and those were those four guys. I mean, they made teams. Right. Absolutely. So let's go over some of the draft that you've done this year. Yeah. If you want to walk me through, uh, you know, any team that you want to bring up and tell me, you know, um, how you started or anything you want to throw in, any kind of note that you want to make. About your team. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I was looking back through my teams, you know, in, in advance for this one and, and they, they've kind of had like, a, you know, each, each draft is kind of its own story. Mm -hmm. One of the common themes for me so far is I've taken a lot of Lindor, and I saw some big Twitter Twitter threads on him, and some people are a little down on him. I think ATC thinks he's, you know, like a third or fourth rounder. And right. I, I mean, I'm taking him in the mid to late second round and cut line a ton. I should probably stop. I might have a problem. 
Listen, but, I'm not, you know, as a Med fan, I'm not going to hate you on that because yeah. I love, I love his enthusiasm. And I think that oh, he's, he's going to, awesome. I think he's going to get an extra shot of electricity in New York. If that, you know, people can say, that's not a real thing you can quantify, but for a player yeah. like him. Um, and I see where uh, a couple of the, projections are down because now they're kind of like kind of cheating toward the it might not be a dh and in there and you know maybe if he's hitting at the top of the lineup maybe there's some less rbi opportunity you know or you know even if he's and it may be less run i don't know um and i know there's been talk too about his batting average hasn't been so stellar last two or three years but i yeah i love the pick i mean you know i'm not gonna not be taking a met curtis Oh, he's awesome. Oh. <laughs> he's awesome. I, I will say the the one Met that I, I have some regrets on in my early drafts is I've got a few Dom Smiths and without the DH, you know, he's got some serious uh, uh, playing time issues. Right. <laughs> right. But it's also you know, just another thing with Dom Smith, you know, I, I, I had a post on Twitter, like, you know, he had the same projection and same skill set as Josh Donaldson who's going like a hundred picks later who yeah. has done it you know like a lot of yeah. times and won MVPs and and I'm a Met fan too and I'm just I'm very shocked by his you know I see the hitting skill he has but there's also oh, yeah there's also a chance that he doesn't play as much yeah. as people might think he would play I know mm-hmm. and and the projection systems love him and he's first base outfield so he's just like I, I can't help myself sometimes right <laughs> no know, no hundred percent no, yeah yeah um, makes sense yeah, and he's on. I mean, he's on my favorite team. Uh, I, I was telling you, you know, that the second cut line team I drafted, mm-hmm. um, it was probably back in December, but um, I was drafting at the back half of the first round in the nine slot, and I started out with with four, you know, stud hitters: uh, Trey Turner, Yelich, Eloy, and Bichette. And I just, I love to start with you know big bats like that. And then I, I reeled off some pitchers: uh, Woodruff, Kershaw, Gallon, and Plesac, and for the next five picks, and. Wow. And and so I just got my like base there so that I could just take more hitters like I like to after that and then fill it in with uh, pitchers. I was telling you, I've got some guys that just aren't going like as late as they were anymore. You know, like I got Boom in the third round and he's first base, third base. I got my two catchers, Sean Murphy and Austin Nola. And, you know, catchers are weird because, it, you know, Real Muto has gone nuts in cut lines. He's going in the second round in a lot of them. I'm right. not going to take him that high. Right. Um, but it is nice to have at least one good catcher because you can just take a lot of crap numbers in that catcher slot. Right. right. So I like to get at least one good guy. And if I can get a second one, like here it was Murphy and Nolan, the 14th and 15th. And that's that, that's pretty good. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's pretty close to their ADP, but it's not too bad. Um, right. And then I got a couple guys later there that have just kind of moved up. And so I, I really like where I got them. Like a, you know, Gossman in the 18th and, and Fran Mill in the 20th. I'm not afraid to take util guys. So that's another thing in cut line, you know, like closers, there's some people that just aren't going to take that util spot. They said, well, you know, it's best ball and there's only one slot he can play in. Well, yeah, but you know, Nelly Cruz has been carrying me in cut line for years right. and you could easily see Jordan, if he's healthy, JD, if he bounces back, Stanton, we all like to dream on all the time, but you know, you, you just got a lot of options at util this year. And if you're passing on them, you're really letting other people take advantage. There's five or six of those guys that can really produce. Totally agree with you. Like, um, you know, and it goes back to that. You don't have to start them, you know, and if they do have yeah. bad weeks or whatever, you're going to have guys that can step in and fill that for you instead of forcing them to start at util every week. Um, and yeah, they, they slipping down to a point where you, 
you got to pounce. Um, yeah. I wanted to get back to the catchers real quick um, yeah. because I know <clears throat> catchers are always a, a great topic and, and especially like a roto league. Um, and so I noticed too, like when I was doing best balls, I found myself taking JT a lot early because um, even though his like his raw score isn't at, as high as the guys yeah. that are going around there. When you look at the drop down, you know, to the next catchers or it's even huge. the, yeah, it's huge. It's, it's, it's big when you can get such a big uh, difference maker at catcher, you know, because I think that's where a lot of people kind of um, just go drafting off the points. They don't look at that replacement yeah. level. Right. And, and, and see where a guy like, you know, Austin Noller would be, you know, so much like around where, you know, you say, oh, well, he's just as valuable as a guy like Tim Anderson in this league because of that yeah. difference that he has yeah. over the rest of the catchers, right? That's right. Real Muto was on half of the top 20 teams, I think, in the end last year. Wow. And I could, when I was when I was sort of sweating trying to get into that top 20 at the end, I mean, every time he, he hit a home run, it was like, oh, well, there goes my chances. I mean, he right. was he was just carrying teams while everybody else was sitting on maybe like an Austin Nola, but you know, your second catcher was doing nothing. You had Tucker right. Barnhart who had six points in the entire year. You know I mean? It's just, right. you were getting a lot of nothings from catchers while, while real Mute was just carrying teams. Yeah. I can't, I just love those high volume guys that catchers yeah. I really like been on them a lot this year. There's teams where I built where, you know, I wait a little bit on catches, but I, most of my teams have been getting filled by, um, getting one at least by round 12, 13, you know, with, yeah. with JT early or that, that, that middle pack with uh, Contreras and Nolan Vasquez, yep. uh, Grandal, you know, or just I, try to get I, one. I like, I like that spot too. I'm going to try right? to get one of those top 10 it's or great so spot. guys in, in every league, whether right. it's Roto or best ball. And I'm probably not going to take a second one in a Roto league, but I, I don't mind taking them at all in, in cut line. You know, getting a Grand Dollar, Contreras, or Arna is my first catcher, and then backfilling them with like a Sean Murphy or um, a James McCann, or you know, a guy in the top 150 picks or so. Right, right, definitely makes sense. Um, I, I've always had bias to catchers since my first um, fantasy league ever in 1994 when I was 14. <laughs> Me and my brothers did like a. I remember my first memory of one. We we picked guys at the end of the year, almost like they were doing the retro drafts during yeah. the off season last year. It was pretty <laughs> much that. Um, we were That's at our summer retreat, and we just I remember where we were too. And we picked teams, and I had Piazza, and it was just like such a different maker. Yeah, <laughs> I can. You know, those old leagues. I was I was t- actually asked my dad about it recently. We played in one of those leagues where you had to mail in your picks years ago. And I want to wow. say it was like put on maybe by the USA Today or something like that. Yeah. But I mean, it was sometime in the 90s. And, and he can't really remember like who put it on or whatever. But it was, it was kind of a salary cap thing. And you would make your teams each week and you'd mail them in. Right. <laughs> I wish I had the, the evidence of it. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Are you doing <laughs> that diamond challenge? Is that something? I'm that not. Yeah. I'm not. It, it seems intriguing. Um, I just... I'm full, honestly. I'm, I'm full. <laughs> I've got my two home leagues, my dynasty league, and my you know my home roto auction that I've been doing for years. Right. I'm gonna do two mains, the solo shot, four online championships, and a million cut lines. 
there's just a lot there's just no more room you know right no yeah there there is there's no more room i i don't um it seems like something that i really have to do a ton of strategy for and yeah my brain i'm sure just, i'd enjoy it right, right but i right, don't want to yeah. go in and not be good at it i know i know and like it's really no there's nothing out there to like even you know i, I kind of you know we're looking at it and it's like okay i could formulate I own strategy, but I got to get a guy on who, who has some history with that. And, and, yeah. you know, and because it's, it's such an interesting league. So you mentioned think, this. Okay. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I think some of those older guys might have done it. Like the guys that have been around fantasy for a long time, they might've played it when it was on that old site. Right. Right. It's interesting. It's an interesting format. Um, again, too much for my brain to take off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned the solo shot. That's an interesting format. That's um, another format that's on the NFBC. And last year it was supposed to be the first year it got canceled. Right. Um, yep. And it's kind of like a hybrid main event draft champion in terms of roster size. Um, right. I think there's 40 is, is it 40? Man, it's, a, it's definitely a deeper bench with right. less fab periods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. it does right. have fab, unlike the DC. Once a month, right? Yeah. Once a once month a fab, month. which is interesting because in, immediately I was like, oh, wow, that's like one, you know, that's only once a month. So fab should be easier. But again, I know, I know <laughs> my brain. crazy. <laughs> right. I know, I know my brain. I'd probably fab, like getting ready for more days than normal. Oh, you know, I, right? I think I spend 40 hours on the second <laughs> cut line fab. So, I mean, I know, I, you know, I, I joke with my wife, but it's not a joke. I need two hours every Sunday and, and that's to do my fab for all my fab leagues. And I, and I do, you know, start get my starting lineups together at the same time right. I, you know i keep a notebook throughout the week with like the podcasts that i listen to and stuff that i see on twitter or in box scores so i'm not going into sunday cold but sunday i, I need two hours to make sure everything's good right. Right. and if it's if solo shot I'm, i might need three <laughs> i know i know it's an interesting it's interesting so i know you mentioned the notebook i love the old pencil paper i feel like yeah. um i remember a thing i have things scattered on like google doc the same thing like you know i'll listen to a podcast if i'm outside with my dog you know and i'll you know i work my phone but really when i write something down it, it's um it gets in my brain a whole a whole bunch right. easier I, i'm the yeah. same way and, and my notebook's got you know, I just jot down notes throughout the week as I, you know, listen to podcasts or I, I read the, the daily um, post on Razball and then, you know, come to the end of the week and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll read a Vlad's fab article, right. which I mm-hmm. mean, he's just the best in the business at fab. I, I strive to, to be like that flat yeah. <laughs> in fab period. So, and, and then at the bottom of, of that page for that week, I've got my seven or so fab leagues and it's like this is what i need in that league this is who i'm dropping am i chasing speed or saves or something like that so that you can kind of get your plan before you go in there to the actual bidding process yeah right because i think it's good like if you're constantly making notes and you know if you catch something in the box scores or you know something picks picks at your brain and and you write it down and then you hear um anyone on a podcast mentioned the same thing. And like you said, then you read an article and say, okay. And then you see that guy's name again and you look at your notebook yeah. and it's oh, I got all, <laughs> right, right. And it's all of this guy constantly written down. You kind exactly. of get the consensus feel. Okay. Maybe I'm on the right path here. And, yep. and, you, and, you know, you mentioned Vlad and I think his, what, what his articles are great. And I told him this too on my podcast is that it helps you develop a process. Like I totally agree. Right. Cause you know, yeah. at the, I remember reading a first, 
first um, couple of his articles um, on Fab, and I said, okay, you know, I see what I need to do to get my process better. Um, that's and right. I think that's what I got the most value out of because um, got me on a path to, you know, bet. And I think that's what's important about just listening um, to podcasts or reading other people's material is just that you can learn so much and take what you find is, is best for you, you know, yeah. um, because so, you know, you got to realize too, that like everything you may do may not be the best way. And I think it's to yeah. open yourself no, it up, really, right. I felt like it reinforced. I was always pretty good at fab, but that's why I've retired uh, with my air quotes from DCs <laughs> because I love drafting and I would join a, two or three of them every year and I never cashed in them. So I was like, <laughs> I just got to get out of these. I'm using a bunch of time and they're just not, you know, plus EV for me. And I'm not in, just in it to make money. Uh, I, I do tend to, to win at this game, but I do it because I love it. You know, right. I love playing golf and I love fantasy baseball. <laughs> Those are probably <laughs> like my two, you know, non-family activities that I really love. Right. Um, but yeah, no, just his, his fab process is great. And, and that's the way I'm setting my lineups anyway, looking at like how many games those guys are going to play, you know, what pitchers they're using. Um, I use Rudy Gamble's uh, projections on Rasbell for the next mm -hmm. week. And they've got like a dollar figure for each hitter. Decide to see who I'm going to start Monday to, you know, Thursday. And then, you know, for the pitchers, you know, who's got the good matchups and just having that reinforced by Vlad's article. And he's really, he's not only good at picking the guys for that week, it's really good at looking a week ahead. Like these are the guys, they got four games in course next week. You could get them for $2 this week, or you could get them for $24 next week. Right. That's big. That's important over a six yeah. month year. You know? 100%. All that adds up, you know, for sure. Yeah. I, I learned that a lot in my uh, first main event league. Uh, yeah. I definitely got school and fab and, oh. um, <clears throat> you know, it totally made me better though, you know? Oh yeah. Like, I my took a lot out of that. I took my beating in, in my first main. And then I think I took two years off before jumping back in because, you know, it's also, they're pretty expensive, right? Right. So I, I kind of, I built up a little bit of a fantasy bankroll and I, and I joined that main and then I was in Rob Silver's league when he won it all. <laughs> so oh, not, only, not only did I not cash, I got absolutely smoked. I dropped right. John Gray so that he could pick him up. I feel like I really contributed to Rob's title, but, uh, <laughs> I <t> <laughs> but I took a couple years off and, you know, I won, you know, some money in the cut line overall. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to get back in these big leagues because when you're used to playing, you know, my, my home leagues are $200 and the OCs that I love are $350 was $1,700 league. Like, I mean, it, it's a big difference, right? Right. hundred percent. So I, I at least kind of want to feel like I'm playing with house money in those mains. Absolutely. Yeah. Def it definitely helps. Definitely helps. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for this year. Um, experience. Um, I wanted to do the live, but I'm not going to do it this year. Um, I've never done it, but I want to do it too. I want right. to go out to the Arizona Fall League and I want to go to one of those, you know, live drafts. 100%. Um, I will say the downside of that is those leagues are stacked. Right. You know, if you've got a list of 10 guys that you're maybe trying to avoid at those main events, eight of them are going to be at each of those live drafts, yeah. you know? Come, yeah. Right. No, you're playing and against the best. You, you, you know, you, <laughs> you, you want to win the main, you got to beat the best. So, and, and you know what, when I had Steve Brunner on, he, he was, you know, I, I, I really, I really admired his, his, his enthusiasm for playing versus, you know, the best of the best. He's like, yeah. I'm, he said, when I walk in there, it's me versus the draft board. Yeah. And he's like, I'm not paying attention. He goes, I know the talent around me, but I'm just trying my best to not pay attention to it. And yeah, I think that's, that's a right. real big, yeah, yeah. You can't but, be, you can't be, you know, can't be scared of those guys. You, no. you know that they've got a good process. You have to trust in your process. And you're like, I, I know I can, I know I can win. You know? Right. 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm definitely planning to do the Arizona fall league this year. Um, I'm hoping they, oh, yeah. they have a chance to do it and I get out there and definitely want to do the live live main and, you know, do the whole Vegas thing. I heard all nothing but good things about it, but this year is not the year to do it. I it's think. not going to happen. It's, but yeah, next just, year, maybe, you know, yeah, right. Absolutely. Next year. Cause, um, I just feel like I can't wait to see everyone in person that uh, like oh. I'm talking to now and that, you know, that yeah. I'm following this stuff now because it's awesome. Like have a, a ton of fun doing podcasts and even just, you know, texting and DMing. And I, like, yeah. I feel like in person, it'll just be like one big wonder. Oh yeah. Of, and of I mean, fans. the fancy baseball, yeah, the fancy baseball community is amazing. Like people are very interactive on Twitter. I listen to so many podcasts. I feel like I know these guys, even though I really don't know these guys. <laughs> and the other thing I've always thought is when I finally do meet a few of them in person, I will have been listening to them at like 1.8 X speed for so long. that I'd be like, is something wrong with you? Are you having a stroke? Like, I don't, <laughs> you're just talking very slowly. <laughs> it really is such a difference, right? When you hear something in, in real time and you're like, you know, it's so funny that you mentioned that too, because even, even for, I was listening to music the other day and I'm like, man, I wish I could just pump this up a little quicker. <laughs> Yeah, do you hear those you hear those songs on the intros, right? Yeah. I think it's like the Metallica song on the intro yes. intro to Bubba the Bat Flip. Right, right. And if I ever hear that on the radio again, I'd be like, Oh, this song is so wrong. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's it's so funny. What what we do to our brain with the uh <laughs> with the 10 I know. Time speed. Oh man, it's so funny. So let's talk about another one of your teams here. Um, is there a team that where you went a little more pitcher heavy in the beginning than than you normally would? Yeah, yeah, there, there is one of those I've got, um, you know, one of them, I think it was the third one I did where I took Acuna at uh, one overall, okay. um, but then, you know, people were just not taking pictures and I got Darvish and Giolito and Castillo. Wow. <laughs> so if you just imagine having that, you know, in a Roto League, uh, it pretty wow. much only bad flip would have uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that on a team. But I mean, you know, most of my teams are going to be pretty heavy. Uh, hitters in those early rounds you know i might go on a run um a little bit later like i did on my favorite team with woodruff kershaw and gallon right but right. that's kind of the one that as i like glance through the the nine uh, leagues that i've either finished or i'm currently doing where I, I really had a lot of early studs like total aces right um do, when do you um come back in with pitching like you said like you like to hit him hit him in like spot to the draft so after those first like you know i said like top 60 um not top 60 pitches but top 60 picks oh where yeah. do you like to come back in for pitching i like that? to come back in um in that kind of 80 plus range so okay. i love getting guys like uh like carrasco um, I, I've been I've been in on Plesac in some of these drafts. I know he's a very controversial player in the fantasy community this year, mm -hmm. but um, simply put, those Indian pitchers put up bulk, and bulk in cut line is huge. So I've taken the Plesacs. I've taken Savali later around 200, but I love that like 80 to 160 range. So you know, remember this is a 10 team league, so that's you know I've got at least eight picks by then, right? So I've got maybe six, seven hitters. And then in that 80 to 160, I'm, I'm taking, you know, three, four, five, maybe even six pitchers. And it's in that, it's the Carrasco's right. and, um, and the Wheelers and uh, Lazardo is a little le less bulk kind of guy that I like this year. But uh, I've, I have a lot of Pablo Lopez, Charlie Morton, Lance McCullers, 
Joe Musgrove, Alcantara, Montas, Molly, like just just a lot of those kinds of guys who I feel like, feel like are going to put up innings. You know, fingers crossed for Charlie Morton and Lance McCullers, but um, all kind of high K guys. It can be a little volatile, but I'm not worried about that six or seven earn run start, you know? Right, right. Yeah, it's definitely a nice spot to get back in. I like the Carrasco, um, your Hendricks, your Wheelers. Um, your Wheelers, like you said, it's just that's that's volume, you know? Yep. He's proven that he can go out and he's pitching 190 innings, you know, prior to last year. Um, um, yeah. Joe Musgrove, I think that's a great, great pick this year. Um, yeah, I've taken him for a number of years now, and he's, right? <laughs> he's one of those guys that I have forgiven, unlike Franchi. <laughs> and and then, I, then I come back in in those 200s, and I've, you know, I've got a lot of Urquidy and, and Javier um, for the Astros. I've got a lot of the, like, the, kind of those bulk guys, like the, the Singers and the Kellers, Um Kitty's kind of uh, a little sneaky this year, I think. Um, the yeah. more and more I dive into his pitch mix stuff and his 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 movement on his pitches, I kind of forget. Like last year, I drafted him it, again. This is just a stupid recency bias when it creeps in your yeah. brain. You know, I was kind of big and in coming into him last year, only sixty games ago, and then. <laughs> For and some he barely reason, pitched, right? right? I mean, he barely <laughs> pitched. He was sick. And then for some yeah. reason, my brain at the beginning of this year was just like not on him. And yeah. now I'm kind of like, you know, wait, um, there was a reason I like this guy, you know? Yeah, so, exactly. So yeah. there's guys that are popping on the bloom boards uh, like Ivaldi and you know, right. I like I like Pineda. And I, there's just a lot of guys in that 200 to, to you know, 60 range. I've got a lot of Jake Odorizzi. That's also might be a problem, a little <laughs> bit more of a problem than Lindor. He needs to sign. He's, he's got to be a four starter somewhere, right? I, I mean, think I think so. 28 teams could use him. Anybody but the Dodgers. <laughs> oh my God, please. Yeah, definitely not the Dodgers. I, I totally yeah. think he's going to have to get a spot. At the he's got to get a spot. And, right. and he's just right. been dropping and dropping and dropping. I mean, he was no higher than maybe 230, but I mean, he's dropping back towards 300 now. As you get closer, even though we're not really close, right? Right, right, right. We're yeah, two see, months. I see him right <laughs> next to Nate Pearson, and I'll go over Izzy all day. A hundred times out of a hundred, you yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely. Nate Pearson is a possible zero. I try to avoid those zeros. Right. Tanner Houck is right next to him. Took Scooble. As much as I you know, like Scoobles, um, yeah. it's crazy. He went as high as 139 in a cut line draft. Oh, that's last- wild. That's why I have a couple scoobles, but those are more, those are much later than that. <laughs> have a you couple know. scoobles. That sounds funny. <laughs> <laughs> Just inside the top 300, I'll take a Tariq scoobles. <laughs> I got to write that down. That's like a t shirt. I have a couple <laughs> scoobles. Oh, man. Yeah. My son I, like... and I, I remember my son and I sitting on the porch uh, late summer watching a uh, Tariq Scoobal and Carlos Carrasco game. It was nice. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. School, I think there's a lot of potential there. And I think he showed yeah. last year that what he could do. I, I just hope he gets the opportunity um, to pitch and I hope they don't like keep strutting out Jose Urania out there yeah. and his terrible skills. Yeah. But um, yeah, he, uh, yeah. he, he hit Acuna and hurt him. He's, he's dead to me too. Oh yeah, that's right. He did. <laughs> it was yeah. him, right? It was, Marlon, some, you know, it was that one. They have some legit beef. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was oh, unacceptable. Man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's an interesting spot to um to go back into pitching because yeah. you know I I really have to get my brain into because I I plan on doing at least one cut line and yeah. um but I figured I figured it have to be after I get a, a crash course in it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
hopefully, hopefully, I, hopefully I've helped out a little bit. No, hundred percent. Yeah. I like it. Um, cause it's, it's, you know, I know the whole roto aspect is kind of the same and I've been looking at some, you know, like I said, I've been trying to establish that replacement level, um, and the difference between, you know, a position because yep. I think, I think that's where, you know, people tend to go a little astray is when they're just looking at straight raw points and they don't see the difference in yeah. what, uh, you know, like the uh, drop in point that, you know, a certain spot can definitely yeah. um, throw you for a loop. Um, yeah, I think, you know, going in with my normal draft board with the tiers on there, I don't have the points on there, right? right. You know, I've got four, you know, columns for hitters and five for pitchers but none of those are points right Right. those are steamer projections and you know and and the adp for cut line and and um and and vlad just came out with his vdp i always slide that into my draft board too right yeah the old (laughs) vdp um i see i see on one of your teams you went bauer real muto um yeah right okay yeah Um, i was drunk <laughs> <laughs> no really i was trying to change it up you know i was telling you that uh i, I just it, you know real muto is going too early for me um but that league you know i was drafting from the two slot and um i, I took bauer at the end of round two i mean they, all the all the other uh top the top three were gone around like the end of the first round beginning of the second round and i said you know what i'm going to change it up i got you know you can't draft the same team over and over and over again um, even if you finish every team with Scott Kingery. So I took Bauer in two and I took Real Muto in three. And then I kind of went back to my normal draft. But I, I, after watching what Real Muto did to me at the end of the cut line last year, I couldn't have none of him. And that's right. about as late as you'll see Bauer go, even though it was only with the 19th pick. And just in the off chance that they let him throw every fourth game or something like that. I mean, he's just a massive player, right? And now right. that he's on the Dodgers, I, I mean that that's just a that's a great place to pitch. It's a great place to pitch, and I think he's not going to get the opportunity to do it a lot, but I think it's going to happen a lot more than people think because of the way they tinker and because yeah. of the way they you know they'll grab grab a couple of days of rest for Kershaw, you know, like yeah. with with the back quote unquote back spasms, yeah. you know. They've, they've babied Urias for years. Right. He's still super young, even though right. he feels like he should be 32 by now. Yeah, he's yeah. <laughs> he's like 28 <laughs> still. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, no, it's certainly certainly possible. You know, I I probably won't have a lot of Bauer in Roto Leagues, but at least now I've got at least one cut lunch here. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Um yeah. I feel like uh, in leagues that I've started at like one or two and I've gone um, pitching first with like Cole, I came back with like a real Muto and a Tucker in one league um, and a best ball. And, um, but then when I went to Cuna first, I came back with like a Scherzer and real Muto. I always yeah. tend to get him and look for him there. A Muto being um, on yeah. that swing. Um I know. Again, I'm just a sucker for the for the good catchers, you know. Well, um, I mean, honestly, I, I love this team. Yeah, where I have real I like that. Yeah, you know, I, I got a, I got a lot of the guys that I am targeting anyway. Um, I, I got you know Bauer, and then I then I waited around. I didn't take anybody again until Plesac, and then I came back in my normal little stretch that that we just talked about. And I took Charlie Morton and Lazardo and Alcantara and Gosman and Herman Marquez. Right. Um, and Marquez is not a guy that I'll take in Roto Leagues, 
probably, uh, unless he really drops. Um, but in cut line, and gets blown up at cores, it's fine, right? He just doesn't start for you. I I love him in best ball week, and you know what? I I don't con I really don't mind him in 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 roto league too because yeah. I think what's undervalued about him is the volume that he puts up, but also that yeah. the fact that he's still very young and yeah. still getting better as a pitcher, and he um, does put up good games at cores, right? Right, right, he does uh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I like a guy like Marquez. I've, yeah. but yeah, in best ball leagues, he he definitely um he, he's Deshaun Jackson. Right, he's Deshaun <laughs> Jackson. <laughs> um, so w- what about what about cores hitters? Is that like if you're later on in the draft and you see a guy like McMahon floating around? Yeah. Uh, obviously, he's got the multi eligibility too, but he's the kind of kind of guy like you float up a little bit and say, yeah. So yeah, yeah. McMahon, like you said, he would already probably be probably be on my list, but. You know, those guys, I think Jeff Zimmerman likes to say that, you know, he's looked back the last few years and outside of Blackman and Arenado those, and Story, those guys are almost unstartable on the road, right? right. But if you draft them in a road league, you probably have to start him. You right. draft him McMahon early enough that you probably have to start him. But in cut line, I, you know, I like getting a piece of cores. Um, I'll take, you know, the Tapias and um, take a shot on Sam Hilliard again. You know, I, I love taking Story early and I was taking Arenado before he got traded um, because I mean, they, those weeks where they get four or six or seven games in Colorado, I mean, they can just put up monster weeks. I remember one game, one week, like either last year or the year before the giants went there and the giants offense was so bad and they scored like 50 runs in four games <laughs> in course. Yeah. I mean, I picked up a few of their hitters cause Vlad had highlighted them in his, their article and I started them in my normal roto leagues and I had Brandon Crawford put up, I don't know, six runs, seven RBIs and three home runs. I mean, it's just, you can just get these massive weeks for, for nothing. Right. Right. Yeah. The old core is bumping in best ball. Yeah. That that definitely makes sense. Good Um, to have. Right. Right. You can't have too many of them because they're on the road and you know, they might, they might do nothing for a whole week or for two weeks or something like that, but you want to have some exposure to so you mentioned Sam Hilliard. You're back. You're you're still you're still um you're still holding out something for Sam Hilliard. I will say he's not highlighted on my draft board <laughs> <laughs> like he has been in the past, right? right. But I, I'm I will take him a little bit. I mean, I yeah, I think I think the path to points, you know, that can come with with speed or power, um, and he has it. You know, I yeah. think it's a worthy gamble in a league like this where. You know, and that comes to the point where he's not the guy and they sign Matt Kemp again or just drop you know, him. It's just you know? drop him. Yeah. But um, it's tough. Those guys in Roto, you know, if, if they're not starting on a Monday, you've probably put them on your bench. Right. 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 But a cut line, you know, you, you're not going to miss those weeks if they have them, but they didn't start Monday. Right. Right. And they just signed Greg Bird. Oh, my God. <laughs> I forgot base. he existed. Yeah. Seriously. Um, I mean, um, so they were planning to start Fuentes at first base and now a great yeah, bird, I guess. But he also can't stay on the field. Right? No, he can't stay on the field. And Fuentes can't really hit. I mean, for any <laughs> power, like he's a, yeah. you know, and he had a, a 30% K rate to a 1% walk rate last year. I don't see Oof. him as, um, I was kind of like thinking they were going to go with like an EE sign in there. Um, yeah. Because I just feel like he, he's got to have a little bit of thunder left in his Oh, band. I think so too. And I saw, right. you know, some people highlight, you know, I mean, he he could still have it. And and I mean, they still have Ian Desmond. Didn't he play a little bit of first base? He did. I mean, obviously yes. he used to be a shortstop, but I, I think he played a little bit of first. He did. That could definitely be a possibility. They could stick him there. 
Yeah, it's gonna be a world of uh, uh, you know. Last year was a, a lot of guys playing new spots and gaining the multi-eligibility. Yeah. I think it's just gonna continue this year as uh, teams want more flexibility in season. Um, yeah. So I see you even said that you have your only Stanton one Stanton share. In yeah. That. Um, <laughs> tell me about that. Yeah, I mean, I, I just you. I really feel like he. You can't help but like him. Uh, yeah, you know, he's. I mean, I, I'm not a Yankees fan. I'm a Braves fan, but he's just the kind of guy. Like he's got that kind of magnetic personality, and you know, just when you think you're out, you watch the playoffs last year, and he's hitting line drives that are still rising when they're seven rows deep in the <laughs> stands. You know, like uh, and you just pray. I mean, he's never healthy. He just and, and it's it's stupid injuries, right? Like he's running the outfield and he like strains his calf or something like that. It's like he's right. he's an Adonis, but then his body's just failing on him. And I, I just want that one year. Right. right. And I, I took, I've, I've got like one judge to same kind of thing because when those guys are playing and they're hot, I mean, they hit home run after home run and they're in that stacked Yankees lineup and um, they can really be difference makers. Yes. They, they, but they I'm not really going to take them a lot. No, right, right. 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 I'd much rather have Nelson Cruz or Famer Valdez later. Um, but you got to have some. Right. Yeah. I think in this format, that's when I want to take my chance on yeah. the Stanton. Um, I don't know if he's going to gain that outfield eligibility back. Um, I wonder if he's going to really ever play the field again. I, I probably wouldn't put him out there. If I, but would you if put I, Judge out there? I mean, the Yankees have got a problem, right? They've got two right? DHs. Yeah. And Judge is obviously super athletic. He is he's fast. Right. He can steal bases. He's actually a good outfielder, despite right. being Shaq out there. But I mean, <laughs> but you don't want to get it, you want to get him hurt. I mean, it's right. it's a, the Yankees are in a little bit of a tough position like that. And I'm sure he wants to play the outfield too. Right. I mean, Eloy's a terrible outfielder, but he says he wants to play the outfield, so they let him play the outfield. Right, hundred um, percent. So, do you want to play a fun game with me, Curtis? Yeah, I'm in. Okay, so this is called. <laughs> um, this is my. This is going to be my new a new feature of the podcast. So you're actually going to be the first oh, the person. Yeah, right. So, so I listen to all your podcasts for nothing. It didn't even prepare me for the game. <laughs> totally no, totally no. So I want to play a game of who is the most player shares. So I want you to go onto your player shares, and I want you to pull that up. And because I pulled it up today and it really made me wonder what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I, I always have a, just a touch of a problem finding it. Oh, it's, it's so players. It's under stats. Stats. Yeah. Player shares. There, so, yeah. There you go. Player shares. Yeah. I always know it's there and it's a great thing. And that's where I saw it's, Scott Kingery. Yeah. He's still on the top of my list. <laughs> on the top of your list? Yeah. Listen, I like Kingery this year. Like actually on um on Rad on Ron Chandler's Bab system, he, he still has a pretty high asset rating and, and power and speed. And like you said, he's got the you know, he's got the ability to bounce around and yeah, I'll give him I'll give him a little bit of the pass for last year. So Yeah, he, I mean you gotta give him a pass for last year. He had yeah. COVID, you know, and and they Smashed signed him the to that deal right a few years ago. Right, so right. like they're going to play roster resources has him at the bottom of the lineup, but if he hits, he'll move up. Last three weeks, he, he was smashing the ball. He was, yeah. re- he had some really good power metrics in the last three weeks. So I like that. So he's your top, top shared guy. He's my top guy. I've got him in uh 46.7%, seven 40, leagues. Okay. Seven leagues, 46 point. Uh, and <laughs> who's next? 
Uh, so I've got a string of guys with six. And uh, okay. go figure, there's some of the guys I, I listed. Hunter Dozier, J.D. Davis, Ryan Yarbrough, Rafael Montero, who was going really late early in drafts, and so I was taking mm-hmm. him. Um, Leody Tavares, who I think is just going to play, be at the top of the lineup, get lots of runs. I don't, you know, I don't shy away from those kind of speed guys. Um, and then Lance McCullers and Freddie Peralta. I love Freddie Peralta. He's going at like 400 in cut lines. And, you know, he, he's going to have those weeks where he comes in and pitches four innings twice and gets two wins and has 10 Ks, you know, yeah, right. those are huge weeks and you don't have to guess. Right. The problem in Roto, even though he can be valuable there is that you don't know when to start it. Right. Right. And he can get the spot start. He can get some wins coming in transition and, and you don't have to guess. Absolutely. Yep. And he's got the skills to do it. Um, so, and so these are, these are strictly cut line shares, right? Because that's, that's what you've gone for spot or have you had some other leagues? No. So I've, I've got, I've best done a ball? bunch of those uh, BB 12s too, like the right. 12 team best ball, but I've done no Roto leagues yet. I've been okay. dying to do my first OC, but I haven't done it. So these are all best ball leagues. Gotcha. All best ball leagues. Okay, cool. So, um, I have, let's see, I have uh, two, I have three DCs, a 50, and a best ball. Um, and I have Victor, sorry, actually, yeah, two, two 50s. And I have Victor Gonzalez. <laughs> I don't my, even know who that is. <laughs> that's bad. See, that's Super bad. late in the DCs, right? It's yeah, one of those this, guys. Is, this is a super late DC um, okay. bullpen pick on the Dodgers. Man, I feel like I know a lot of players. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? Like, I was real excited about him before they signed Bauer. And now, like, because he he was yeah. like the ability to you know do like a uh like a Urias in in the bullpen okay. one one or two innings lefty lefty you know um guy with ability to pick up some wins and saves along the end of the year. It's like when I'm back yeah. feeling you know after after I pick a run of starters um kind yeah. of like a couple of speculative bullpen guys that you know yeah, not definitely. for really saves but for kind of like uh, wins and. No um ratios and then i have yeah. uh yuli guriel um oh Tyler. i like him yeah you know, you know he's gonna uh, play yeah he he's he's part of that boring is beautiful thing you know yeah. high volume guy that's going 270 300s and drafts and uh dcs where you know he's gonna play every day and um you know corner and guys even if that power was a fluke i mean he's always been a high average guy right, right? So right. he's not he's not gonna hurt you Right, hundred percent. It's a volume monster at pick three hundred. Yeah, it was yeah. a great, great hit tool. Um, my next most shared guy is Tyler O'Neill, which I feel oh, like I like it. I like, like it. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> he's like um. So after I get like my solid base of like seven, eight outfielders, I feel like can give me five hundred plus plate appearances is what I shoot yep. for. He's the he's the kind of he's the next guy where I'm like, all right, now now I'll pick my upside outfielder. Like now they got rid of. Dexter Flower, right? So they did. He might have a slot, I an like everyday it. slot. I mean, I think so because he plays great defense. He's fast. He's yeah. you know um, powerful out there. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm hoping. I'm and hoping have I you guess. seen his pictures? He's like oh, he's yeah. a gym rat. I yeah, mean, he's, he's like he's crazy looking. Right, crazy looking guy. But you know, again, this is like 480p. So yeah, exactly. Um, this is where most of, I find like most of my bulk players by shares, like Kendall Graveman. He's next. He's, yeah. Again, he's 650p. Where I'm just like, all right, well maybe he closes instead of Montero. Yeah. Um, Keegan Aiken, Brent Suter, Logan Webb, and then finally yeah. we get into some guys who you know people might recognize and. <laughs> <laughs> Wilson Contreras, Javi Baez, yeah. Giolito, um, Austin Riley. Um, 
yeah. yeah. So that was a fun game. I feel like I just learned. <laughs> I feel like we learned a little bit about each, each other and, you know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. You see that. all my multi-position eligible guys and, uh, right. and, the, and the pitchers I like in that window that I like and right. because I've been doing yeah. those best balls, you know. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. and I'm seeing all your late D.C. guys. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, it's, it's, two, it's two different lists, two very different yeah. lists. I'm not, exactly. I'm not bothering going over to the fan tricks and uh, checking because that's just a whole other beast with quality starts. And, um, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't, you know, I just wish there wasn't quality starts. It's, I feel like it throws so much of my and and the multi not having a guy for multi eligibility. It just feels yeah. like why? Why would you do that? Why would you? My dynasty that? league is quality starts, and I I honestly kind of ignore it. You know, yeah, I just right? try to fill out my innings. I start my starters. I'm still going to have um, those good ratio uh, middle relievers. I'm, I'm just playing my normal game. Right. And the quality starts will come. It's like quality starts plus wins instead of wins. Right. So they'll just right. come when they come. I'm not doing anything different. Right. Me, yeah. My dynasty league is like that too. Quality starts plus wins. Yeah. And I totally don't play for that. I probably should maybe, I don't know, take an account for something for it. But um, yeah. yeah. While uh, you're looking at your fan tracks, my next list, the guys that I have in five leagues, a third of the leagues that are finished, it's like a Yon Mankata, who I like this year and is going nice. a later. Uh, right. little Eric Hosmer. Um, some of the pitchers we talked about are Kitty and Javier and Turnbull, who's been showing up on a lot of those. Turnbull, boards. yeah, absolutely. Um, where, I've got where is Manny Margot. Hmm? Where is Moncada going in the cut line? I just had the um, 80. 80? Okay. Yep. Okay. So, and he's yeah. basically been hovering there the whole time. Okay. So there's a, there's a bunch of those third basemen that go early. You know, after uh, Joe Ram and Machado, you've got that Devers, Arenado, Bregman, Rendon. Um, I guess LeMahieu, if you want to throw him in there. But then you've got Mankata at 80. A um, little bit of drop-off after that to, to Bohm and Chapman. Right. A little bit after right. 100. Right. So, sorry, again. But that lineup I, I is didn't... stacked. I want it every is. piece of that White Sox lineup I can get. Right. Very good point. Um, and another guy that went, you know, said he didn't – feel right the whole year it's you know it's just amazing yeah. how you know freddie freeman was feeling like crap and he just went on to blister the league and some guy literally just, thought he was he's like i hope i don't die he got right. five you know swings in before the season and he goes out there and wins the mvp it's really right really amazing <laughs> it's 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 crazy it's just totally insane again it's one of those obviously things... had a bad case right 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 yeah obviously had a bad case and it's just again another one of those things where in my brain I'm questioning, like, should I be giving some guys free passes? Because yeah, this guy yeah, didn't need but it, one. <laughs> but, you know, I know. Yeah. And you, but you just hear about people where it's really lingered. Right. And so, you you know, you got to imagine like Makata, he said he just didn't feel right all year. Kingery, same way. Like, there's just people where it just lingers for months. And then there's, you know, people that ha- are, don't even feel anything. And then you've got Freddie, who was – yeah. You know, hope it, hope he didn't die, and then he goes out there and he's just amazing from day one. So, <laughs> it just hits everybody different. So I know there's a, a ton of multi eligibility at second base this year. I think yeah. something like two thirds of the second baseman. It's, it's really crazy. For, it's really <laughs> crazy. So where are you going with second baseman? Like, where do you find yourself? Um, like getting your first second baseman. Yeah. So I mean, I think this will change once I get into OCs and mains, maybe. Mm-hmm. But here I, I have generally been taking uh, one of those guys in the top hundred okay. um and, and every now and then it it's an albies i think i have one or two albies but it's really that hira Marte, brandon Lowe, cavin biggio 
like set. Right. Um, right. I try not to have batting average sinkholes. So I probably won't have a lot of Biggio and Roto, but for cut line, I don't care about batting average and he's eligible everywhere. Eligible, so, yeah, you know, everywhere. he's, right. you know, he's valuable. Right. Um, and, and most of those guys I just named, except for Marte, I guess here as well, but he, I mean, here could get first base eligibility if they, if they move him over there like they want to. And so right. a lot of those yeah. guys have multi-position eligibility. And so they're super flexible. He, he might so that's even, generally where yeah. I've been taking my first guy in cut line. He's gotcha. in that range. Yeah. It's another interesting position. I know that people, yeah. you know, either go early or people like to wait and go for the Wong and the Cesar Hernandez, but I think yeah. a ton of those. And I'm most... taking those guys too, right? right like in cut right. line, you're taking both of them, right? right? I'm taking an early guy, like a Brandon Lowe. So if the, the one I'm looking at right now, I took Brandon Lowe and then I waited and I got McMahon and Listella. But all three of those guys have multi-position eligibility, but one of them will hopefully be my second baseman every week. Right. Right. Absolutely. It's a really, really stunning um, landscape with all the multi-eligibility guys, you know, yep. um, especially up top, like you said, with the BGO and, and LeMahieu, Jeff McNeil. Yeah. Um, yeah. Guys that play second, third outfield. That's Yeah. First, in second, in Roto, you draft those guys, you're going to be putting them at second base, right? Right. Right. But in cut line, they can move around. Right. Wherever, wherever the computer wants to. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Cool, man. All right, Curtis. I appreciate you coming out, man. You, I, I think we had a fantastic show right here. This was awesome. I yeah, I like really that. appreciate the invite. Yeah, I man. Enjoyed it. Absolutely. Um, I, I can't believe this is your first podcast because you sound like a goddamn <laughs> pro out there. So you're welcome <laughs> to come back it. any other time we want. Maybe as we get closer to the season and we'll talk some other league besides the cut line, you know, but this is yeah. great. I really wanted to do a dedicated cut line um, because I don't really hear a lot of podcasts talking about a specific, you know, dedicated cut line. And um, I like to bring people on and talk about the other leagues too, the draft champions and the main events, but um, yeah, you know, th th this was good because I feel like maybe a lot of people haven't tried it. Um, yep. And I think they should, because I think it's great with the best ball, you know, and then throw in that playoff style, which I really, yep. you know, I'm really, um, that's, that's really something I can't wait that I hope I experience, you know, because it seems yep. like such a cool aspect of, it almost brings in like a head to head type atmosphere yeah. as well. So um, pretty cool. I'm pretty excited. If you're in the running, you're definitely watching those teams and the other best bowls that are, you know, draft and hold, you don't do anything else. I, I, I find myself not watching them, but cut line, I can't look away. Interesting. Yeah. So that's funny. You said that because um I feel like I'm, I tend to not look, I did a couple of basketball um, best balls on the NFBC side. And I feel like the same thing. I'm not really, you know, I glance at my, at the team, you know, at the score, but I'm not really yeah. like diving into so much as like what, you know, maybe at the end of the year, I'll see like what, what worked, what didn't work. But as of now, I'm just like, Oh yeah. Okay. I'm in third overall. I mean, third, Hard in my league. Okay, cool. Um, but so <laughs> cut line though, you're saying you're still kind of diving in because yeah, you still because you gotta watch that and you also have the ability to fab too every now and then. So yeah. um right. cool man. Really appreciate it, Curtis. Thank you so much for coming out. Um you, you wanna tell anyone where to find you on Twitter? Yeah, so I'm at uh Jones Curtis W. That's Curtis with a C. Um and my my account is private just for job purposes, but uh, if, if anybody follows me, I'll, you know, I'll go in there and check the box for them to <laughs> allow it. So cool. Awesome, man. Thank you a lot. Thanks yeah. so much, Curtis and, um, enjoy your night and, uh, yeah, good luck in your upcoming cut line season. Thanks man. You too. I hope you dive in. See you, yeah, Rob. man. hundred percent. 
Alrighty, folks, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Poe Herder Podcast. Really appreciate the listening support. Once again, you can find me on Twitter at DeadPoeHitter. The show's page is at PoeHitterPod. You can check out PoeHitter.com. Hit me up on Twitter for any questions or advice or just to talk about life in general. And once again, too, if you feel so inclined to leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, it's extremely helpful to me and the podcast. Um, helps a lot of people find the podcast, too, in time for prep season to share. Or if you don't want people to listen to it to get the advice that might hurt you if they use it against you. But no, but still, please get it out. It'd be great. Thanks. It helped me a lot. If you want to take a snapshot of your review, you can send it over to me on my DM on Twitter. And I'll get you out some pull hitter swag if you're interested in some stickers, some fridge magnets, baseball cards, whatever you're into. All right. With that, folks, um, be well out there getting some drafts, smarting up, and don't be a bag of shit.